This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Now, I want to start off by saying this to those of us that were fasting and praying. There should be a change. There should have been the change the first day, the second day, the third day, and we're all the way in day 20, 27, 29th, anyway, I know we're in Thursday, but there should be a miraculous change if you prayed and fast correctly. There should be a manifestation in your life of what God has spoken to your heart about. If you would go back and recall of the, the teachings that we taught before this, we already understood this one thing, that we were under preparation. So when you're under preparation, this is something that must be. For some of you, I already know, I don't have to ask, you struggled. Because it's different for you. It's like anything else that you're not used to doing. But, but one thing that I have noticed is everybody can do anything they want to do and they desire to do. Give them something that they want to do and desire to do and they put every effort in it. So it should have been with this fasting and praying because God has spoken. And he's going to speak this morning and let you know the conclusion of the matter. And you can be in it or out of it. But we're going to find out some things this morning about God's great mercies, which is totally different from His mercy. And I believe upon in, in, in this church and in our ministry at this time and in this dispensation and in this span of time, God has extended to us great mercies. And for us, to piss on them, or for us to ignore them, or for us to play with them, or for us to not pay attention in this crucial time of 31 days of fasting is foolish on your part. Because it was only a span of time. And everything that God had for you or has for you was within this 31 days. You have five left, including today. But God wanted to deal with us from day one, all the way through. And those that put themselves in position and got outside of thinking about food and got inside of thinking about the spirituality of it and what God was speaking to our heart and how God was dealing with us as individuals, that are, those are the ones that shall prosper in this season. But if all you thought about is what you could cook and what you could eat and how you could eat it and what you could and can't do, and if you fell and maybe I ate something I did, if you did all that, you, you rejected that season. Whether it was for a lack of knowledge, stupidity, or just I don't care. 
or just, I don't believe that God is really going to do anything, or I don't believe God is in it. Now, you can say what you want that it is, but God is telling you what it is. Amen. But as I was saying, you have to concentrate and meditate on the things that God is going to say to you this morning. Those of you that have been successfully fasting and praying. Now everybody else that's in here that wasn't a part of it, you can get in on the blessing and you can understand some things because God is still speaking, but He's speaking specifically to us for a reason. Amen? And I want you to understand some things. And this is a one-time message, but it's a good message if you hold on to it and if you grab a hold of it. And if you say, okay, God, I see what you're saying, I see what you're doing, and this is where I need to be. So this morning, God's great, great mercies is what I need. His great mercies is what I need. And if you will, go to the book of Daniel. We'll start there. We've got a lot of things to cover, and I want to cover, because... God has been so good to us. In the book of Daniel, we're going to. I just want to lay up, lay some groundwork and lay a foundation so that we can follow. Are you following me? Daniel chapter nine, beginning at verse seventeen, and the scriptures read: Now, therefore, O God, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications. And cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ears and hear, open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city, which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear, O Lord. Forgive, O Lord. Hearken and do defer not. For thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Now, therefore, I like that. Now, therefore, O Lord our God, hearken unto thy servant and to his supplications. And cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. I like that. I like that. Men like David always rise with a song to the ears of God. See, if you've studied David out, you can follow that. He would rise early in the morning. Singing with psalms, irrespective of what he was going through. And that's our problem. When we go through something, we don't want to talk to God about something. We want to pray and move forward and let's fight it naturally. But irrespective of what David was going through or would go through or might be going through, he would say it. And I like what he said in Psalm 63, verses 1 and 2. He said, God, you are my God. You are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you 
in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you, I like that, in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. To see your power and your glory. God's word should always come with a demonstration of power. And God said that is what we are embarking on in this ministry, a demonstration of power. It's been our season, and right where we are now, that where we are in this span of time, it has been a season of uncovering basic truths on God's mercies. Listen. And today, the Lord has decided to open up another chamber of His wisdom to us. Now see, that alone is something to shout about. If God opens up another chamber to expose to us some of His wisdom, we ought to be excited. We ought to be excited. Sometimes we as children of God, we really don't know what we need. That's why you can't, you, 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 when I said that, it, it meant little to you. Because sometimes we as children, we just don't know what we need. Now we always know what we want, but we don't know what we need. And a need and a want is two different things. I said it's two different things. They are different. There's a difference between a want and a need. Wants cannot satisfy. Wants also have a way of making us very desperate. Very desperate. But sooner or later have you found out when you're desperate for a want and you get what you want or you, you, you do everything because you're desperate, you, at the end of that, you ask yourself, hmm, what was that all about? You, because, see, it doesn't satisfy. We suddenly realize in which we thought, that which we thought would, or we needed in our lives was not really what we needed. And the time, time will always, always prove that us, prove us wrong in those type of situations. Always. Time has a way of proving us wrong when all we think about is what I want. My wants. I want. The Bible says, in Isaiah 54, you can write these scriptures down. I don't want to go to them because if I do, I'm going to take up a lot of time. But I am giving them to you so you can go home because it's all backing up this, what we're teaching this morning. In Isaiah 54, I'll quote them, but you go back and read them as well. In Isaiah 54, verses 7 and 9, it says, For a mere moment I have forsaken you. But with great mercies I will gather you with a little wrath. I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I have mercies on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I will not be angry with you, nor rebuke you. That I'm thankful for. This word was initially, listen, for 
the natural Israelites. But we are spiritual sons and daughters. So he's speaking to us. We're taking that as our own. Now he's speaking to us. If you look at that scripture carefully, you'll realize that God did not send or deploy his mercies to restore Israel, listen, back to their land following the level of wickedness that they did. The wickedness that they were sent away with in God did not deploy his mercies according to their wickedness. Listen to me. Neither did he deploy or send his mercies to salvage the souls of that generation of Noah. He didn't send, he, he didn't send mercies. He didn't send mercy. I know we've been taught it was the mercy of God. It was the mercy. But as I began to study this out, God said, I didn't send mercy to get them where the Israel's where they need to be. I didn't send mercy to get uh, Noah, the people of Noah, where they need to be. He said, I sent great mercies. Great mercies. What a magnificent God. And I say, now God, you're going to have to prove that out. Let me explain it to you what I mean. Let's leave the, um, the nation of Israel because that, that, that event is kind of well known. Let's go to Noah, whose striking event a lot of people, you, you would think everybody know about it, but a lot of people don't know about Noah. How did God send or deploy great mercies on the generation of Noah. How? Well, first of all, he sent and deployed his great mercies to help the evil generation get on the ark. You know, he didn't have to do that. He could have just destroyed the world. But he sent great mercies to get them on the ark. Second, he sent great mercies 400 years after the flood. And this is all how it all happened. God had said to Moses in Genesis, write it down, chapter 6, verse 13 and 14. He said, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. With the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And the Bible makes it clear that while Noah was building the ark, he was preaching to them by his actions. The purpose that was given them the opportunity, the reason why he was preaching, giving them the opportunity to turn to the Lord. He preached 120 years. I would call that great mercy. 120 years while he was, he had to work on the ark and preach to a rebellious people for 120 years. Everybody say that was great mercies. Then the flood came and wiped them all out. 
wiped them away. However, the great mercies was not recalled until the later in two manifestations. Because after the flood came and they didn't want, and God locked Noah into the ark, and no one, Noah them couldn't get out, and no one could come in. And there were people screaming and hollering, those that heard him preach for 120 years, like some of you, you've heard your founding pastor preach, you've heard all the ministers here preach, and you still won't get on the ark. God said, let me call a 31-day fast and see won't they come in to the ark. And some of you still won't come in. But God is so good with His great mercies. And He, for a hundred, let Noah preach 120 years. The later manifestations after the flood were two. The waters of Noah's declaration in Genesis 8, chapter 20, verse 20, chapter 8, verse 20 and 22, it resounded. Let's go over there. Genesis chapter 8. Go to Genesis chapter 8. It resounded. This is one of the mercies. It resounded when God was speaking about the restoration of Israel. In Genesis chapter 8, beginning at verse 20, it says, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings unto the Lord. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. That's a great mercy. That's a great mercy. He just made a declaration. But this second one is more powerful to me than ever. When God revealed this to me, I said, oh my God. The second great mercy that God did, and this is after the flood, the descending of Jesus into the land of the dead to preach to the spirits of those rebellious people, the rebellious men and women in Noah's generation. God deployed and sent Jesus. Now this is over 400 years later, down into the depths of hell to preach to those, all of those that died believing, but they were yet a rebellious people. That's a great mercy that God sent Jesus all the way into hell for them. Everybody say great mercies. He went all the way into hell just to get them born again. Those that died believing. But yet they were a rebellious people. I like to put it this way. He went, Jesus went beyond the boundaries that God had set. To give those that was lost in the generation of Noah an opportunity to hear the gospel. From his own mouth. Not no more prophets telling them this, that, and the other. No judges. No king. No priest. But Jesus himself went down in the bowels of hell and preached the gospel 
took a rebellious people of Noah's time to get them born again. Now that was the only time that God deplored His great mercies beyond the grave. And it was the last time that it will ever happen according to the Scriptures. Listen. That was the only time and there will never be another time. But it wasn't His mercy that did it. It was great mercies. The revelation of God's great mercies and how to recognize and respond to it therefore is very vital to us. To our, our spirituality. Our survival as human beings. It's very important that we understand about God's great mercies. And God does not deploy His great mercies just haphazardly. God always, will always deploy His great mercies, His great mercies to save lives in extreme situations. It has to be an extreme situation. He deploys His great mercies. For Israel, I like the way Ezekiel described the situation. He said, They rebelled and resisted the word of the Lord by the mouth of His prophets until there was no remedy in heaven or on earth for them. They resisted. How can you be that resistant to God that there's no remedy for you in heaven or on earth? How is it that you want to stay like you are instead of following God's lead? Why would you want to do it? Why would you resist Him that hard? Why would you resist and do your own thing? After God speaks to you, why would you make it your, I mean, make it your, just your life? I mean, my achievement is to rebel against God and do what I want to do. Here it says, there was no help, the prophets, until there was no remedy in heaven or earth. And the results of that was the loss of the land of Israel for many, many years. One of the results. Now listen, when Israel was in trouble, they did not need God's mercy. They were in big trouble. Their lives were at stake. They needed God's great mercies to pull them out. And when God sent His great mercies, they were restored. And God in these 31 days of prayer and fasting, He had sent His great mercies. And He restored those that wanted to be restored. See, we want to get to the end of things and then we want to try to get it all together. God said, but I've given you 31 days. And He taught us even before we started the 31 days of what He wanted and how He wanted it done. But we don't take God's Word serious and we don't take His counsel serious because it comes from a man. So then you begin to think, oh, that's just. Oh, that's just. And every time you do that, your results are going to be where you're in captivity. 
Some of you are in captivity and don't even know it. You're feeling it, but you don't even know it. But you will. Again, I like what Isaiah 54 said. He said, for a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies. Read it. With great mercies. I will gather you. With a little wrath, I hid my face from you. While you were acting a fool. While you were doing all the foolish things. He said, I hid my face. But it was only for a moment. And then I called upon a time of prayer and fasting. So that I can deploy my mercies, my great mercies to you. And what do you do? You're busy thinking about food. You're busy thinking about when is it over. You're busy thinking about, I can't get out of bed. I can't pray. I can't. And God said, I have spent this time. Remember what we taught? Whenever God gives you something within that dispensation of time, He gives you everything you need in that time. So after Thursday, it will no longer, that, it'll be harder. Because the ability to get it done, the ability to have what you need, the ability to walk with God is within this 31 days. The ability to make sure all the things are peeled away and let them go and be free of them is right now. It was within the 31 days. Now, you after the 31 days, it's just going to be harder. The struggle that you've been having, you'll still have. But after the the 31 days, if you've been on point and you're still walking in it, I'm going to tell you, it's just going to peel away just like you peel a banana. It's just going to peel away from you. Why? Because I've done the will of God. I've sought His face. I've asked for His direction. I asked Him to lead and guide me. I haven't talked foolish. I don't want to. I want all of what God wants for me. I like that he said, I hid my face to you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy. Because why? Because of my great mercies, says the Lord your Redeemer. Someone this morning, right now, is in need. Well, actually, right now, Sister Allen, Sister Kelly... They don't need God's mercy. They need God's great mercies. Great mercies. And this is the time to get it. This is the time to get it. This is the time to grab it. This is the time to say, come what may. I'm grabbing the great mercies. The great mercies of God. And where there's the great mercies of God, there's no fear. Because His mercy is bigger than fear. His mercy is bigger than a, 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 a diagnosis. His is it's bigger than your bills. It's bigger than your marriage. It's bigger than death. It's bigger than... It's, his mercies are everlasting. And His great mercies, there's power to get you what you need. Great mercies. Say great mercies. I want you to get a revelation of that. God is saying, I want to go beyond your foolishness to save you. To deliver you. To give you 
another chance. And he did that starting September 3rd. He said, another chance. Right now, many of you in here, you need God to take his eyes off of your sin. You need him to look at you with great mercies. So you won't perish. See, a lot of times we think perish only has to do with death. But let me tell you, there's many of you right here living from day in to day out and perishing nonetheless. Because not only have you not tapped into the great mercy, you have not tapped into just mercy. Mercy is good. Great mercy is better. And because you haven't tapped into it, but God said His Word has come with demonstration and power. It's a good time to be in the kingdom. It's a good time to be where you are with any diagnosis as long as you're in the kingdom. Because great mercies are there. So you need great mercies. God, look beyond my foolishness. You need God to take you back into his arm. Listen, as a servant, not as a son. See, think back to the prodigal. Your father, I just come back. I just want to be a servant. Not, I don't even care about being a son. Just, Lord, let me back into your arms. That's what you need to be crying out. If you missed it in this 31 days, you need to say, God, I need you to take, I want to just be a servant. I don't even have to be a son. But I need to be in your arms. I need to be in your arms just as a servant. David was in the same state when he prayed unto God to activate his great mercies. And I like what he said in Psalms 25, verse 6 and 7. He said, remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness. For they are from of old. You've done this before. Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercies, remember me. For your goodness sakes, O Lord, remember me. Great mercies do not remember the sins of your youth. It erases them. That's what makes it great. He won't remember the sins of your youth. He totally erases them with great mercy. You don't have to harbor on the mistakes you've made and the choices you've made when you get the great mercies of God because He erases them as though they never existed. I'm telling you, great mercies is what I want because it has to do with my life. Great mercies! That's where my strength lies. Great mercies will take a broken, shattered life that deserves death. And even eternal damnation it deserves. And His great mercies can mold it. Make, he can mold you right back into the temple of the living God. Oh my God. Now that's what you run on. 
God, you mean you can take my old broken down mess that I'm in and all the mess that I've done and all the foolishness I've done. You mean you can take me and mold me and shake me again? He said, I am the potter. You are the clay. I'll put you on the wheel and I'll mold you and I'll shape you and I'll make you greater than you've ever been. But for this church and those in this ministry, you have 31 days to get that done. 31 days to get that done. I love him remolding and shaping. Great mercies will take a broken heart a broken marriage and remold it to the most beautiful thing on earth. What mercy, just mercy, will say no to, great mercy to say yes. See, what just mercy will say no, his great mercy to step in and say yes. And go beyond the boundaries. God will go beyond the boundaries to get you where you need to be. At this point in this teaching, it is important that we uncover what great mercies are in God's kingdom. Now, if you're a good Bible student, you will realize this one thing. Just want you to get, I want you to just see the whole picture. You must realize that eternal punishment is the lake of fire. We've read that in the scripture. If you haven't, you need to go read it. Eternal punishment. You don't go to the lake of fire and, and then it's over. It's there. But this is what you need to understand. In the eternal punishment in the lake of fire, even in there, it won't be the same for everybody. Follow me. It is just one lake of fire. But there's a difference. I said there's only one lake of fire. But there are different levels of eternal punishment in the fire. I'm going to prove it to you. Now, this is not a purgatory theory because we understand there is no purgatory. Those of you that have been taught about purgatory, let, let me tell you, if you've become a student of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the Word of God, you know that there is no purgatory. It's not scripturally sound. So that's not what we're talking about. Jesus himself said, listen, this is why you will know that there's different levels of punishment, even in the lake of fire. Jesus said that he will give to everyone according to his level of wickedness. Oh, you missed it. He's going to give to every man, not one man, not some man, every man to the level of their wickedness. In other words, Everyone whose name is not written in the book of life 
will be thrown in the lake of fire. I don't care how you try to make it sound. I don't care what you dream about. I don't care what you think about. I don't care how good you think God is. He's got to be here. And if your name is not in the Lamb's Book of Life, you can say R-I-P, R-I-H, rest in heaven. He's you are now an angel. I know you're looking down for it. You can say all that to make yourself feel good, but God's Word is the same forever. So again, if your name, I don't care about you being a nice person. I don't care that you got good morals. I don't care that you say you love the Lord. I don't care about any of that. If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, you are going to the lake of fire. And that will be one lake of fire. And everybody, and everybody that's named that's not in the look, in the book of life will be in that lake of fire. But the torment will be determined by what they did on earth. I said the torment will be determined by what they did on earth. We just, we just said what, what Jesus said. But I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna judge every man by their own level of wickedness. Everyone according to their level of wickedness. So listen, you have to understand this. The same will be done, listen, for those whose name is in the book of life. All rewards won't be the same. Just like all punishments won't be the same. It's the same. All rewards will not be the same. We will, again, be rewarded eternally according to our works also. So you that are wasting time, you are going to be judged according to your works. Faithfulness to what God called each one of us to do is what will determine the weight of each person's reward. Now, some of you might don't, you know, you just be glad to get in heaven by the, you know, by the skin of your teeth. You don't want to do anything. You don't, don't want to be. But if you, if you, if you go in the scriptures, you find out that the New Jerusalem is coming down from heaven and going to make its abode here on earth. And he's going to set up and rule and reign. We're going to rule and reign with them. And your rewards are going to be accordingly. If you did nothing here, don't think you're going to do anything there. When that's set up. Mm, I let that seek in. Every man according to his work. Faithfulness to what God called each and every one of us to do is what's going to determine the weight of each person's reward. Now, these two prophetic exposures should tell us that mercies also have weights of levels in the Spirit. I want you to get it. Great mercies are bigger than mercies. 
according to your great mercies. What God had on the Egyptian that was following Israel out of Egypt was mercy. And remember when they came out, the Bible said there was a mixed multitude. And when they spread that carnal cravings in the wilderness of the Israel God, God consumed them with a fire. Why? Because it was only mercy. They forgot that they were riding on mercy. Just mercy. Not great mercies. They were just riding on mercy. Hence, fell into behave well. They didn't behave like they were supposed to. And it was God's mercy. Saul had mercy. David had great mercies. Can you see it? Saul had mercy. But David had great mercies. Why? Because it's all, and for you and me, it's all about your hearts toward God. And a stay in alignment with His will and His way. Those that stay in alignment with God. Those that stay in the will of God. Those that God will extend great mercies. I hope you understand me. Now this great truth that I've just exposed to you by the Spirit of God, this, this, you know, as sons of the kingdom of God, you got to go back, take time, and meet God for further revelation on it. Because I could be here all night and give you revelation on it, but it has to be a personal where you can see it for yourself. See, I have to see it. I have to spend time with him and see the great mercies of God. What a great mercy. I like in Psalms 25 it says, the last part said, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions according to your mercy. Listen, I, I, I want to say this before I go any further because I want you to understand this. Because some people, this is what they like to say. Well, what's for me is for me. Whatever God said, God is God. Is God. He changed not. How many of you believe that God is a God that changed not? According to the scriptures, he said, I am the Lord God, I change not. How many of you believe that? I didn't see a show of everybody's hands. If you don't believe it, say, I don't believe it. He said, I'm the Lord God. I change not. But I want to ask you a question. Because I don't want you walking around here dealing with half-truths that is out of the mouth of the Son. Who told you that God cannot change his mind concerning you. See, we love to holler that. It doesn't matter what I do. God don't change. Who told you that? And how can you find scripture that up? I want you to know that is a half truth. And that is not true. God has changed his mind many a time about people. Many a times. As it concerns you. This is what you need to understand. When that scripture says, I am the Lord God, I'll change not. It means my standard will never change. 
But I can change my mind about you. And if my memory serves me right, I believe he told people in time past, if you don't do it now, you try to come back later. I've changed my mind about you. And you can try as you will to make it still work, but his mind has been changed. See, we think we can piss on God. We think we can do what we want. And then come back. Okay, God, I'm repentant. Now I'm ready. God said, yeah, you're ready, but I changed my mind about you. According to your folly. Sister, do you have scripture for that? Of course. Let's start with Lucifer. (laughs) He was an angel. God changed his mind about him. What about Saul? He was king. God changed his mind about him concerning many in the scripture. What, uh, what about Eli? Eli's sons sleeping with the women in the church. Oh, yeah, that's Old Testament. What about Ananias and Sapphira? Let's bring it New Testament. I don't want you to ever think that you set in stone, you can do what you want to, and God's going to always... Let me tell you, did God change His mind about Samson? He got up and shook himself and said, I could always do what I always done, because God is a God that changed not. So you think you can do what you want to, and God's just going to flow with you, and you're going to just get up one day and just going to go back to doing what now I want to do. God says, that's fine, you can do it, but I've changed my mind. From the Old Testament to the New Testament. And if anybody, if anyone deceive you on this, do not deceive yourself about God not changing. David said to God, with the merciful you, with the merciful you, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. I love that. God himself said to his prophets to tell the rebellious house of Eli. See, they were supposed to be preached on down. I said, indeed, that your house, the house of your father, would walk with me forever. I said that. But now, the Lord says, forbid from me, For they that honor me I will honor, and those that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. I've changed. So I don't want you walking around here thinking you can do anything and everything that you want to and say any old kind of thing, do any old kind of thing, and think God have not. Let me tell you, God has given you a dispensation of time. If you wasted that time, God probably have changed his mind about you. See, some people think even the calling on their life. 
I just get up and do it when I want to. I'm, I'm a fool around, do all kind of foolishness until I want to get up. Let me tell you, yes, the gifts and calling are without repentance. The calling is still in that, but God's not going to use you. Because why? He changed his mind. Because he said, in the time that I needed you, do you know how many people flooded into hell because you was in foolishness and you wasn't on your assignment? You had a certain amount of people that were going to be saved through you. And you were only thinking about you. I'm done with you. Now, you're going to heaven. He just can't use you here. He loves you. But he's changed his mind. See, we always want to look at the nice, fluffy, sweet, kind God in the spot. Nice, fluffy, sweet, and kind Jesus. But I want you to know that Jesus and God are very serious. You can't play with him. You know why? Because they don't play. God don't play and Jesus don't play. So in actuality, you're playing with yourself. Because they don't play. That's one of the reasons why he said, when you became a grown man, put away childish things. All of that foolishness. I'll arise and I'm going to be something. I'm going to do something. Mm Mm-mm. That's not the way it works. Not if God has changed his mind. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, those of you that have been in the 31-day fast, and you saw God, he should have done spoke to you about it if he's changed or not towards you. You don't have to guess. All you have to do was ask him. Maybe he's showing you this morning because you still got five days. We got to get this. I'm looking back at the beginning of the month and considering all that God has taught us through this platform. I will say that we are a breed of people that are most blessed. For Him to even call us to fast and pray and seek His face and give us a dispensation of time to get it right and get our lives right and dealt with each and every one of us individually about our personal lives, I call that blessed. God has made it clear to us that we're blessed from hearing things that the prophets and the saints were not before, that came before us, have not been able to receive or hear. Do you know things that you are hearing today and things, words that, that are going forth? Do you know that prophets and those that have gone on before us wish they could hear this? I say we are blessed. Because we are able to hear it. Those that have gone before us wish they knew what we knew. How? Exactly how the Bible put it. The Bible put it in this way. But the blessed are your eyes, for they see. And your ears, for they hear. You're blessed. But blessed are your eyes. You are seeing things that they wish they could see. Blessed are your ears, for you are hearing things that they wish they could hear. For verily he said, I said unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things that you see. And they have not seen them. 
They wish they could hear the things that you hear. That's Matthew 13, verse 16 and 17. When God unfolds to us things that the prophets and the righteous men before us have not seen or heard, we are blessed. Extended great mercies. Family, we're getting closer and closer to the consummation of this fast. And the final, and not only the consummation of this fast, but the final return of Jesus. God said, but I want some walls built before I come. Jesus said, when I come, will I find faith? I want some walls built. The Bible made it clear that the mystery of God shall be finished. And where that's finished, there's rest. Meaning we shall come to a perfect understanding. God said, I want to give you all a perfect understanding of hidden truths. My hidden truths. Everybody's not ready for it, but those that are. In this dispensation of time, in the time we're in, and what God has done us about, listen to me closely. Hearing is not enough. Understanding is not enough. At this point, if you don't mix it with faith, It'll only be a hearing. And you really will lack understanding. There must be a mix of faith. Is what the word requires. God requires us to mix everything that he sends to us with faith. Everything that he sends. Mix it with faith. This prayer and fasting time that we've had is simply, well, actually, it was very simple. It was instructive, very instructive for us, and maybe deep for many. But it's about lessons we can draw from. He's showing us to be wall builders. He's you know, not only that to, to build this house, but for our personal success in our families. Because remember, he told us before the fast, our families are in distress. He said, I want to give you what you need in these 31 days to bring them out of distress. Instead, we have you going in distress with them. So what spiritual truth can we draw from this natural principle? Let's look at it this way. Let's just say the seed of the man. Let's call that, mm, let's, let, let's say it represents the word of God. And let's say the womb of the woman represents the spirit of man. The word of the Lord has come to us this month. It's powerful enough to turn every situation that you're in, he can turn it around. I don't care what you're in. It is powerful enough to... Let me tell you how powerful God's Word is. It's powerful enough to turn the faithless to being faithful. To make the weak strong. And to make those that are dying live. His Word is strong enough. The Word of God has an internal potency, uh, potency that's 
beyond what you can imagine. It's so potent that it will provoke the supernatural. We want it. It's potent. I'm telling you, it's potency in His Word. It will provoke the supernatural things in our life to the hearer. The Bible makes it clear that it's always powerful. So if the Lord, your God, is not make, listen, is not making an impact in your life, you are the problem. It's called a spirit that's barren. That's what's happening with you. It's a spirit that's barren. If you could sit in this church, I don't know about other churches and I don't necessarily care. All I care about the people that belong here. And if this word that you're getting from each and every minister, from myself, is not impacting your life, it is because of you. And you are spiritually barren. Spiritually barren is not a place you want to be. That's not a good place. You never want to be Barren. There's Christians in here whose spirits cannot conceive anything, no matter how powerful the word is, no matter how effective the word is, no matter how anointed the word is, no matter how sanctified the word is, no matter even how miracle producing. And deep the word is. They can't hear it. You can't conceive it. If you're barren in the spirit, you can't conceive it. Consequently, when you sit up under, listen, when you sit up under teachings and strong truths from week to week and month to month and year to year without anything tangible happening in your life after a while notice what happens they leave a place of holiness and send in a bad stench everywhere they go see it has nothing to do with the word it has to do with you being barren in the spirit There are people with barren spirits in this church. And I really feel saddened for them. You know why? Because it's not in my power or any of the minister's power, not in any of our power to make you fruitful in the spirit. We can't do it. We can't do it. And sometimes some of you, you even try to act as if you're fruitful. But personally, I know it's just religion. The ministers know it's just religion. Because the word that's being preached is not being mixed with faith in your heart. Because the manifestation would be there. And one day you will pick up and you will have an offense with this church and you will leave. 
very few that have a barren spirit and people a few people thought they were most holy and faithful and members have left this church and will leave a good church because they're simply barren Because most of the time when people come, <laughs> we say it all the time, and they come to this ministry and they hear the teachings and they go for we are the best thing since sliced bread. Until we recognize you're barren and show you you're barren, then you run. Now, I, now because there are some churches where it's just not alive and you need to run, but this is not one of them. That's a fact. And a truth. But you can't stay when you're barren. I say you can't. You'll try, but you can't. You'll find a reason to leave. And people thought you were spiritual. Write this down. Conception is the key to delivery. <laughs> now you can take that back to childbirth. Conception is the key to delivery. In simple terms, what have not been conceived in the spirit cannot be born in your life. What you have not conceived in your spirit cannot be born in your life. If there is no conception after sitting down under the fire of this ministry... And you can't conceive something else is wrong. That's the secret to this journey. Conception and delivery. Conceiving. And then being able to deliver. That's the secret of your journey. I just gave you a secret. If our spirits cannot conceive nothing, our lives will be barren. Of all the good words that go forth, it will just be barren. For example, for instance, the word of favor and prosperity and healing and delivering and holiness comes from the Lord. And guess what? It's a living seed. It's a living seed. Those are not just empty words you hear. They are living seed. Did you hear me? Through the mouth of a preacher. This morning. Early this morning. Now you're getting the living seed. And our ears hear. But the question is, is your spirit receiving and conceiving it? There will be no manifestation of the power or blessings of that word in your life if you are barren. That's how everybody can sit in the same church and hear the same word and have all the same spiritual food and the spiritual drink and can rise up and play. It's because of the condition of your spirit. 
The Bible says that the word did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. Consequently, they did not enter into God's rest until a fruitful and a, and a live word meets a fruitful and a live spirit over time. A man's life will never come into God's fullness of rest. They both must meet the fruitfulness and the liveness of the word and the fruitness and the alignment of your spirit. They must meet. If they never meet, there will be no manifestation of the fullness or the rest. Oftentimes we're troubled on every side. And we wonder and even blame God's servants for our problems. Oh, it's pastors. It's pastor don't want this. And it's them. It's Sister Hill. It's it's so and so. It's so and so. It was all when our founding pastor was here. It was it was all of him and and that's all of me. And and it's a, it's always something. You can blame. You can. You're not going to be able to blame God's servant for your problems, particularly when your word is spoken to you. And you do not see its manifestation in your life. While in some cases, it is the word of the preacher. The preacher don't have anything, but not in this church. We always have something. David said, the entrance of thy word gives light. It means when the word of the Lord enters a man's spirit, it produces something in that man. If that spirit is alive. However, if the word that entered, listen, is dead, empty, and unfruitful, and your spirit and your spirit is alive and fruitful, it will not give you anything. Because the word is dead. See, that's why you preachers can't get up and just preach their own agenda and do it. If you're a dead word and you got a live spirit, it will give you nothing. Which is the same way if you get if you if 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 the preacher get up and teach word like we're teaching here, we break it down. We give you the powerful word of God, and it goes into your life, and it does not produce anything. It's because something's dead in you, barren in you. Are you following me? So the simple truth is this. It's not profitable for you to be under a teaching priest with a wicked and barren heart. It's not profitable for you. Neither is it profitable to sit under a dead preacher if you have a righteous and fruitful spirit. You better run. The words of God are like seeds. Listen. The word of God is like seeds. It, they are transactions between heaven and earth. It's transaction between heaven and earth. They bring blessings from heaven to a man's life. However, until you enter your in, in your spirit and plant your, you, you have to you have to be placed and established in a church. Sit down, listen, hear the word, and when the word goes forth, it's going to plant a spiritual picture of what God is saying to you, in you. 
But if your life is barren, you won't see the manifestation of that word. A fruitful spirit meeting a fruitful word is key to the manifestation of God's will in your life. I said a fruitful spirit meeting a fruitful word is key to the manifestation of God's will for your life. They must meet. So the question to you this morning is, are there things that are in your life yet that you have to enter? Uh, are there things that you uh, uh, have not entered into as a child of God? Think on it. Are there blessings you are not yet to come into? The key to coming into these lies the truth you have to encounter in this praying and fasting time. Get your spirit full of God. Make it alive and fruitful. Then plant yourself in your local church. Stay there. Get busy in that church of, of learning and understanding the Word of God. Be involved in everything that your church do so that you, in this time, it will be key to you growing, developing, make friends with other people in the ministry. But I want to say this before. I don't have, I, I have just a few seconds left, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it because God, God told me to, and I want you to write them down. Now, I'm going to give you six things that is going to destroy you after this fast if you participate in them. Six things. I call them six diseases that is commonly going to affect the lives through the misuse of your tongue. And it's going to be fatal if it's left unchecked. I'll say it again. Six diseases that is commonly will affect your life is the misuse of your tongue. And in some cases, it will be fatal if you leave these unchecked. Number one, excessive talking. God said, I don't want you with excessive talking. This disease is so common that people accept it as normal. When it is not. When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise, Proverbs 10 and 19 says. When you hold your tongue, he is wise. In other words, if you say too much, you are bound to say something wrong. Learn when to be quiet. There is no alternative. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. Ecclesiastes 5 and 3 says, To use too many words is the mark of a fool. Too many words is the mark of a fool. Number two, idle or careless words. Idle are careless words. In Matthew 12 and uh, 36, Jesus said, But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment of every careless word they have spoken. 
One day we're going to have to answer for every word we have spoken. We're going to have to answer for words that were idle, insincere, that we did not really mean, that we were not prepared to stand behind, or that we were not worked out in our, we have not worked out in our own lives. That's Matthew 5 and 37. God said, those things you're going to have to answer for. Don't be so quick to idle careless words. Even when you're having disagreements, don't be so quick to just idle out and talk off and speak stuff. Be careful. I'm telling you, these things will prove fatal to you. They seem simple, but they are not. Number three. Gossip, men and women. Gossip, men and women. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Leviticus 19 and 16. Going about spreading slander, idle, unturred exaggeration, malicious talk is gossip. Not only must we be careful not to give out gossip, but we have a responsibility not to receive gossip also. It's going to prove fatal. If you entertain gossip and listen to their words, you become accessory to the gossip. Many of you have done that. An accessory to the gossip. That is what God says in Psalms 15, verses 1 through 3. The words of gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's innermost parts. Proverbs 18 and 8. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man or a woman who talks too much. Proverbs 20 and 19. It will prove fatal. Number four, lying. God's like, I have dealt with you over these 31 days about these things. And I'm putting you in remembrance as we come in consummation of the prayer and fasting. Lying. We need to be careful that we use the right words to describe this disease of the tongue. Because, oh my God. Proverbs 6. Verses 16 through 19. The writer tells us seven things that the Lord hates. Hate is a very strong word. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that divides wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension. Among brothers. Detrimental. God has dealt with you over these days of praying and fasting about these things. He's just putting you in remembrance as we consummate this last five days. Number five. Flattery. Psalms 12 verses 1 through 3. There are people who will speak flattering words but they are not sincere. There's another motive behind it. 
A flattering mouth works ruin, and whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. Mm-mm-mm. Don't be so quick to flatter. What is the motive behind it? Last but not least, hastiness of speech. Notice that God is keep dealing with us about our tongue, our mouth. Whew, our mouth has gotten a lot of us in trouble. And God said, I've dealt with you about that. Haughtiness or hastiness of speech. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs 29 and 20. There's one example in the scriptures of a man who was hasty in his words. Just once and tells of the price it cost him. Hasty with words. One man did it. This one man that did this, it cost him something. That one man was Moses. He was told by God to go ahead of the children of Israel and he told them exactly what to do. He said, speak to the rock. Listen and it will bring forth water. God will tell you what to say. You don't have to keep talking. But he was so angry. See, you can be so angry. He was so angry with the children of Israel that he said to them, You rebels! Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then instead of speaking to the rock, he smote it. Numbers 20, verses 7 through 12. The act of disobedience expressed in hasty words cost him the privilege of going into the promised land. This is also described in Psalms 106 verses 32 and 33. A provoked spirit caused us to speak unadvisedly with our lips. And these hasty words cast us, uh, cast us Cost us, I'm sorry, cost us many privileges and blessings. Our lips, it'll cost you blessings. Did you hear me? I'll say it again. Write Psalms 106, 32 and 32. A provoked spirit causes us to speak unadvisedly. Some things you just don't say. Some things you just don't talk about. With our lips and these hasty words cost us many privileges and blessings. If Moses had to pay that price for that one hasty statement, let us as believers be aware that we do not say the things hastily which will cost us dearly in the spiritual realm. Be careful about what you say. Be careful about what you're talking. Don't say it. Think before you speak. Don't just say any old thing. Don't, and don't, don't, you know what? When you're angry, don't say anything. That's the best thing. Don't say anything. Wait till you cool off. Because once you do, hastily. And it can cost you. Some even fatal. So sometimes you have to say, you know what? It doesn't cost me nothing to just shut up. 
Just be quiet. Just say nothing. Just say, you know what, I could say. You know, just because you could say something don't mean you have to. Everybody know you can talk. Nobody want to hear it. Oh, you hearing yourself and thinking more highly of yourself than you are. Nobody want to hear it. You're talking too much. You, you think you sound intelligent and you're sounding ignorant because you're talking too much and you're hastily saying words. Know this one thing about me so you'll know as acting pastor in this ministry. Nothing that you're going to say is going to, prevent, going, to, going to make me do anything I don't want to do. You're not clever enough. I'll make you think you're clever. I'm going to follow God at all times. And I don't care what you come to me with. I'm hearing my ear is attentive to God. And always will be. So you can talk and you can say and you can do and you can do whatever. And I'm just listening to you. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not doing any of that. And you know where I got that from? My pastor. And you know what? Your thing might even be a good idea. But if you're too hasty with it, the answer is no. Because you need to learn how to be still. You need to learn how to step back. You need to learn how to just be... Stop talking. Don't just say anything off the top of your head. Don't say anything to me off the top of your head. Because you, then, then I recognize how foolish you are. And once I recognize how foolish you are, I won't take any advice from you. And I'm not a person that, don't, that, that won't take advice, but if I know you're foolish, will I be a fool to take your advice? i got to make sure that you're sound. That's the problem. A lot of times you get, and, and people have done this in the past, and that's just why we have no, no relationship now. You get too familiar with me. Don't, get that, don't ever get that familiar with me. And God said, don't put yourself in a position for them to ever be that familiar with you. One of the things I found in Pastor always did, he only made himself familiar with people he trusted. The others, he just talked to and he loved. But he, weighed, he was familiar and, and, and became friends with people he trusted. And God has shown me who I can trust and who I can't. And I'm, let me tell you, I am a senior citizen. And I do forget a lot of things. But one thing, your greatest mistake is this one thing. God is on my side. And no matter what I think, God is on my side. So whatever you do and whatever you think and whatever you can laugh about, and yes, you, you missed it here, you said, don't you laugh. Let me tell you, I ain't going to miss it that much with God because my finger's on his pulse. And, I'm, and it's going to stay there. Now, I want this to be a blessing to you. You're not without hope. Even if God says, I've changed my mind about you, you still belong to Him. Be okay with it. Because you had your season. God may, I remember a time when God said He was going to replace some people. It's all, your, your position has already been replaced. But He still loves you. You can't say, oh, now. Uh-uh, uh-uh. It's time to go forward. 
It's time to go forward. Say, you know what? I understand. I, because, let me tell you, nothing that I was really talking about have you not heard before. God has talked to us many in the years past of all of this. But it's important that we get it. And that we understand it. That our God is faithful. Our God is good. God has given us five more days to fall on our face. He's even made the church. Let me tell you. Leaving the church open 31 days and lights on and everything, all of that cost. God said, it doesn't make any difference. I've always provided, and he always will. For you not to come and take advantage of it. Because I'm going to tell you, you're never going to be successful praying at home. You know why? It's too much to do. You can always find stuff to do at home. And you will find stuff to do. But when you get away from that environment, you say, oh my God, this is what I needed. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.